This is Game Day Media. For all the latest in education and political news from around the state of Texas, visit my friends at TexasISD.com. The staff at TexasISD.com updates their site each morning with articles, commentary, and news from all over our state. If you have one site to bookmark and visit every day, it should be TexasISD.com. The Crossroads of Education and Legislation. You're listening to Largent Unfiltered with Dr. Jim Largent. Dr. Michelle Smith is the Director of Government Relations for Raise Your Hand Texas. She served as a public school teacher and holds a doctorate in school improvement from Texas State University. Most recently, she worked at Hillco Partners and previously served as the Executive Director of the Fast Growth School Coalition. So thanks for being here, Michelle. And uh, if you will, give me a little background on yourself and your path to uh, your current position with Raise Your Hand Texas. Sure. Thanks so much for having me, first of all. Um, So I was over at Hillco Partners since 2010. I quit my teaching job to uh, dip my toe into the policy world, and it was supposed to be a 10-month gig, and I loved doing policy work, (laughs) and so I stayed. And we were working with a variety of clients at Hillco. Um, All of my work was in public education, and one of our clients uh, was Raise Your Hand Texas. Uh, Raise Your Hand has been a client of Hillco's for since its inception 13 years ago. And so I've just always had a passion for what Raise Your Hand was doing. Um, you know, it was founded by Charles Butt, the owner of the HEB grocery stores. And he is just incredibly passionate about 5.4 million kids in the state of Texas. It's his future workforce. He knows that this is the future of Texas. It's a very diverse population, and he thinks that we need to invest in all kids. And so when they invited me to come over full-time at Raise Your Hand on June the 1st, it was just something that I couldn't pass up. I have so much respect for what they're doing and uh, really wanted to be a part of, of, of the Raise Your Hand magic. And so um, we've been reassembling the team over here. We have um, Dr. Libby Cohen, who is our Director of Advocacy and Outreach. She's been traveling the state since August, listening to people's stories on public education. Um, We have uh, Bob Popinski, who was over at Moat Casey and Associates for the past 16 years. And he is an amazing school finance expert, and we're lucky to have him um, working on school finance and all of our other issues. And so he really deep deep dives into the the policy world. And then we have um, David Anderson, who used to be at TEA. He was there for 20 years, and he's one of the people that wrote the education code, pretty much. Right. And so he's here in the office with us uh, helping construct language and also is a wonderful resource for staffers and legislators that um, want to design really good policy for, for the state of Texas. So we're having a great time. 
um, the sessions in in full full speed, and we're we're rocking and rolling over here at Raise Your Hand. Yeah, I've followed the group since its inception, and it seems like it's really evolved into uh, one of the power players uh, in Austin. You know, it started out, I guess, as more of a uh, I don't know. From my perspective, it started out as more of an ad campaign, you know, supporting teachers mm -hmm. in Texas. And then we did the the scholarships for leaders and teachers, and really, you guys have uh, become a, a really well-rounded organization that really covers all the different aspects in education. It seems to me, anyway. Yeah, there's two sides of the shop here. And raise your hand. There's a 501c3 that does really, really amazing programmatic work with our blended learning programs, our family partnerships, our Texas Teachers program that includes the Charles Butt Scholars for aspiring teachers, and then we have our School Leaders program that includes our our Summer Harvard program that we have. Probably, I guess, gosh, probably 1,200. Harvard graduates now right. that are principals in the state of Texas, and so they're all that we we have an amazing group on the 501c3 side, and then we have our advocacy side, our 501c4, um, which is where those of us that are doing the policy are working. But they inform each other, which is the really neat part of it. That we know what's working in classrooms, we know what a quality teacher or leader looks like, and we're able to use what we've learned over on the 501c3 side in the program world to inform the type of bills that we're helping construct at the Capitol. Great. That's, and that, that type of advocacy is what we certainly need in Austin. We need some people mm -hmm. that have been on, the, been on the front lines to make those recommendations about what really works, and we have research proving that it works. And, uh, That's so right. I, so I guess first, give, just give me an overview of, of your perspective to the start of the session. I mean, I think most everybody called it the Kumbaya start, where all the three leaders were all holding hands and talking about all the wonderful things that they're going to do for schools. And it kind of lacked details, as far as I was concerned. They made a lot of promises, and, and it lacked a lot of details. And now we've, we've seen talk of some of the details. And, you know, the Senate side wants to just give teacher raises, and the House side infuses a lot more money into the system through formulas. And, uh, you know, what's your... What's your perspective to the start? Yeah, um, it's an unusual session. Um, this is today's February the fourteenth, and we're already heavy into hearings and serious conversations about school finance. Some sessions, literally, we would just now be getting committee assignments. Right. So everything's in a fast-forward type situation right now. And part of that has to do with the fact that we just spent the last year talking about school finance with the School Finance Commission. And so a lot of those conversations have already been had. And it's everything from the revenue side to expenditures to outcomes, even property tax relief. And so everybody is chomping at the bit to talk about school finance this session. And, you know, November of 2018 made a difference. People told their elected officials <clears throat> that they really wanted to focus on school finance and property tax relief. And right. so that's what everybody in the Capitol is talking about right now. And so... I, I think that the governor and the light gov and the speaker, our new speaker, Dennis Bonin, are still very much aligned in their priorities, that they do want to talk about school finance and property tax relief. They know that's going to be the trade this session. In previous sessions, it would have been school finance as a trade for vouchers, and we're 
vouchers seem to be off the table this session. Right, they sure do. Yeah, and so, um, you know, they're, they're all still singing off the same song sheet. We don't have a school finance bill right now, so it's still very much a philosophical conversation instead of speaking specifically to a bill. We do have a property tax bill, um, Senate Bill 2 and House Bill 2, and those are working through the process. But the, edu- the education language, the school finance language, is going to come out of those bills and be inserted into a school finance bill at some point. So, you know, for example, this week we've just had two full days of hearings of all of the education associations, but they're speaking once again to this philosophical document instead of to a bill. And that's that's kind of messy. It's a little bit difficult. Um, there's things in the, the commission report that we like. There's some things that we don't like. But until we have a specific bill to respond to, it's it's difficult to really get our hands around what the details of that bill is go- are going to be. Yeah, I, I got you. And it seems, you know, from an outsider looking in, it seems to me that uh, I was a little disappointed in the Senate because you had this commission that met for a full year with all these hearings and talks, and they came out with their list of priorities, and... I don't think anywhere on the list of priorities was giving teachers a $5,000 raise, <laughs> and yet that's no. the only thing that came out of the Senate thus far. Uh, so that was a little disturbing to me. It was a huge surprise. It really was. Um, I I applaud uh, Dan Patrick for wanting to talk about a teacher raise. Sure. Um, there are some complexities in the bill that I don't think that every, everybody fully understands yet. It puts the Senate in a, a strange position, honestly, that, like you said, that Larry Taylor was part of the School Finance Commission. They say they're going to file the School Finance Commission bill. Um, it's been vetted. Those dollars are allocated for, and then they have a teacher raise bill you know, over here to the side that's been filed by uh, Jane Nelson, and it will go through the Senate Finance Committee. So how they get to the end with those things, I'm not quite sure. We have money to spend. Um, even within existing revenues. The House is talking about putting in $9 billion. The Senate is talking about putting in a little less than that. But just um, the teacher raise bill, the the Senate bill is going to be over um, $3 billion. And so that eats up a lot of that money straight straight out of the gate. Sure. And so how they get to the end is I'm not quite sure. And then the other thing we're having to contend with is that on the House side, that $9 billion includes money for education, but it also includes money for property tax relief. So we've been asking since the beginning of session how much of that is going to be for each of those categories. If we're talking about, you know, are we we talking about a 50-50 split where it's 4.5 for property tax relief and 4.5 for education, um, that if... That that money goes really quickly in such a large system. I know four point five billion dollars sounds like a ton of money, right? Um, but it's a fifty billion dollar system that we're talking about. Yeah, the devil is always in the details on these bills, especially when you get these big numbers and billions of dollars. And I talked with David Anderson last uh, last week about this. When you say you give three point seven billion to education, but it's tied to a five thousand dollar teacher raise, not only does that tie the hands and really doesn't infuse any more money into the system other than for salaries, which we all agree teachers need, but 
it also becomes one of those dreaded unfunded mandates that local districts have to sustain those salaries moving forward, uh, even if the state does not provide the funding. So there's some okay. red flags for me as a former superintendent that really caused me some concern about how that bill is going to be written. Well, they say that they don't want to encumber future legislatures, right? They don't want to right. leave bills out there that future legislators have to pay. Um, the great irony of that, if I can pivot for just a second, is in the tax cap bill that we're looking at with a 2.5% tax cap. If they were to put something like that in place, just in the first biennium, there would be a cost to the state because they're compressing down those local tax rates. There would be a cost to the state of over $3 billion. Right. And so, and then that's going to compound over time. That bill for the state is going to grow and grow and grow. And, and we've asked leadership how much that's going to grow, and they don't have a solid number for us. And so on one side, they're saying, hey, trust us. We're going to pay the bills for you because we're taking the burden off of local taxpayers. But then on the other side, with a teacher pay bill, I don't think there is a solid plan yet in the bill. And there may be at some point. Right. There's not a solid plan for the state paying for those teacher raises uh, year after year after year. Well, we can just hope that our legislators ask all the right questions in their hearings and make sure the bills are written, that they take care of future legislatures and future school district leaders that have to make these tough decisions down the road. So what are the key issues that Raise Your Hand Texas is following in this session? I know you're probably following a lot of them, but if you had one or two really big ones that you think are just critical, what would they be? Sure. Um, everything's going to be centered around the school finance conversation this session, obviously. Um, so that's that's very much where we're going to be focusing our efforts. One of the things, the thing that we think that legislators need to focus on first is high-quality, full-day, formula-funded pre-K. Yep. Um, 47% of our kids, according to TEA, are ready to start kindergarten when they walk into the classroom. 47%. And so until we address this issue of all of our kids being ready to start kindergarten, I don't think we can have a really solid conversation about student performance in, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade, and onward. Um, and so the state has been really wishy-washy about how they fund pre-K in the past. Right now they pay for a half day, and I think there's a lot of families that don't participate at all because they can't get their kids there for just a half a day. Sure. And so we've got to talk about full-day pre-K for our kids who need it the most. And it's expensive. It's, you know, a billion to a billion and a half a biennium to raise it to full day. But they have the money to spend, and we know the data says that that's where it's going to make the most difference for our kids who need it the most. And so that's our number one priority this session. I think there's some facilities issues we're going to have to get through, especially for rapidly growing school districts, and make sure that they're able to, to build buildings to for those kiddos. But once again, if the state would make the long-term commitment, I think the districts would also find a way to make the long-term commitment to say, okay, that money's going to be there year after year after year. I will find the space for those kids for a full-day program because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Um, and I can tell you, going back to the pre-K issue, uh, in a previous yeah. district, and I wish I had written this out as a research project back then, but in a previous district where I was superintendent, we actually tracked our kids for two or three years that went through a pre-K program, and 
it was ridiculous. I mean, it was 100% of those kids passed the third grade assessment. I mean, there was, nice. it, was yeah. it was a no-brainer that pre-K was the key to that because compared to kids who didn't attend pre-K, the numbers were just staggering. And I, I really wish I'd have done a formal research on that because mm -hmm. it would have been really good data to have. But I do remember how, how we were all surprised you know, because normally the kids attending pre-K are those low socioeconomic kids who need some help and may not have the, the greatest supports at home. But by just yeah. going to pre-K, they 100% of them passed the third grade assessment. We've talked to so many kindergarten teachers who have said, I can tell you the first day which kids have been to pre-K oh, yeah. and which kids haven't. And so it's a benefit for all kids, not just our low SES kids that, you know, my kid might have been prepared for kindergarten, but the kids sitting next to them didn't have the benefit of pre-K. And so for, for, for that kid to be on level when they come into the classroom is of as much benefit to, to my child as it is to anybody else, because that whole class can take off and run um, on their learning instead of everybody having to slow down because the state of Texas has not invested in all of our kids in pre-K and gotten them ready for kindergarten. Right, and I think it's going to take a little paradigm shift with our leaders. You know, we're we're adding allotments and CTE adjustments and vocational adjustments and all these different adjustments at the secondary level, but we don't do that same thing at the elementary level, which really is, if we can get kids reading it by the time they're in third grade on a, on level, it makes all the yeah. difference in the world. That's a huge focus this session, that we have so many kids that are not reading on grade level. And I, I agree with leadership that that is a problem that we ha that is the problem that we have to address, is yeah. making sure that our kids are ready to read. And a lot of the focus this session is on third grade literacy, and I applaud them for talking about it. There's one issue in particular that gives us at the Raise Your Hand office a little bit of worry, and that is um, tying funding specifically to student performance on a test. There's a lot of people talking about outcomes funding, and they want to basically incentivize adults to change their behavior such that they're going to get more kids to pass the test. And my argument for them is that I think that school districts, campuses, principals, teachers are doing the best they can with the resources that they've been given and that they're not just waiting around for somebody to put this carrot out there to say, hey, when you perform better, we'll give you more money. We'll pay you more for student test performance. We'll pay the teacher more. I don't agree with that philosophical statement at all. No, of all the ideas that I've heard this session, that may be the worst. I mean, honestly, that may be the worst. We're going to pay people who are performing better more money. The kids who need it most and need more resources and need more help so that they can be on grade level get less money. How could anyone possibly believe that's good? Yeah, I, I and they say it. we're not... They say we're not giving some kids less money. We're just giving some kids more when they reach the finish line. And though that, you know, yeah. perception is reality. I'm exactly. not going to say to one campus or district, hey, you're doing better, so we're going to give you more money. And then turn around to the next district and say, you're not doing as well, so we're going to give you less money. The optics of that just don't work out. And no. so when you look at the amount of extra money that Dallas ISD has put in 
and they went out for a TRE and they put all these new resources in and guess what? They improved outcomes. Sure. And you look at San Antonio ISD and, or not the district, but the city, they put in more money for high quality pre-K and they're now getting to those third grade test results that you talked about just a minute ago. So money matters. And this concept of leadership saying money doesn't matter or you're not doing well, so we're not going to give you more money until you perform is the the wrong way to go, honestly. And so that's that's one of the things that we're pushing back on over and over and over again is we are 43rd in the nation as far as our per-student funding right now. Meanwhile, we're 28th in student performance, and I would say that we're doing a darn good job with our kids based on the amount of money that we're spending as a state. So if the state wants to see better uh, performance out of our kids, they're going to have to put in more money, period, and then let school districts make the decisions that are best for those kids. What works for one district, one really large district in North Texas, who we all love, yeah. what works for that district isn't necessarily going to work for a teeny tiny little district in West Texas or East Texas. And I have to believe that those school leaders know what's best for the kids and not the state in every single instance. Oh, there's no question that the local people have the pulse on their community, what's important there, the the leadership of their districts and what needs to be done there. So we're hoping that cooler heads will prevail and there will be lots of testimony about how horrible an idea this is for paying for performance uh, at the campus and district level. Um, What about other issues? Have Have you heard much about any changes to the actual testing system itself? Um, I'm starting to hear a little bit of rumbling about that. There's some people that are concerned about um, the readability issue. I may not be using the right terminology for that because I'm not an accountability expert. Um, But in this week's hearings, we started to hear uh, Chairman Huberty talking about the, the possibility that there are some issues with our current STAR test. And he's wanting to set those issues aside from the school finance conversation right now and say, hey, we're probably going to have to have a separate conversation about that this session. Um, You may have seen some things on social media with people talking about student reading levels and Lexile scores and things like that that I know very little about. Um, So there's something brewing, but we're not there yet. And my, my ask to people is to stay calm on it and to uh, focus on the fact that we have $9 billion to spend this session. And if we need to have a conversation about testing, absolutely, let's have it. But let's keep moving forward on the school finance bill as well. The worry is that for the first time, they're talking about tying our school finance system to our accountability system. And I've tried to encourage them not to do that. And we may see a situation in which people wish that we haven't tied our accountability system to our school finance system. Um, Those are school finance is supposed to be about equitably, you know, funding our school districts. Accountability is supposed to be about holding the adults accountable for how they're teaching our kids. And those are two very different conversations and they should stay separate from each other. Absolutely. No question about that. And I, you know, I've, I've repeated this since it came out, but to me, we've, our testing system and accountability system has just gone off the deep end. I mean, when we're trying to predict 
college and career readiness by taking a third grade bubble test. I just think we've gone way too far. Uh, you know, when my kids were yeah. in third grade, I want to make sure they read on a third grade level. Let's start with that. Sure. And I think there's a lot better um, assessment tools that we can use these days um, than just one test on one day. No doubt. Um, that STAR test is just supposed to tell us how the system is doing. I think parents and teachers want to know how a kid is doing in real time and then be able to address those issues right then and there and find out what that student's gaps are so that those problems don't compound over time. Right. So we're trying to use this particular test for too many purposes when it should just be a blip on the radar, move on, and use other data-driven tools that we have to actually improve instruction and learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. What other issues are out there that you're following or concerned about or excited about? Um, I know school finance well, I think we're, covers a lot of everything, really. Yeah, it's, it's sucking up all the oxygen in the room, definitely. Yeah. We're going to have a conversation about school safety this session. I think people are finally starting to talk about that it can't just be the hardening of campuses with metal detectors and resource officers and that kind of thing. That really has to be about mental health. Yep. The, the adults in that building know which kids are troubled, and we need to have enough resources and people in that campus to help those kids before it becomes a problem. Um, and so I'm encouraged by that conversation. Uh, we're certainly going to talk about Hurricane Harvey this session. Hopefully they'll dip into the rainy day fund for that, which, by the way, in the next biennium is going to have $15 billion right. in the rainy day fund. Um, TRS is going to come up. Um, I know that Chairman Bonin is really passionate about his retired teachers in his area, which is is fun to watch. Um uh, we may see a few charter issues uh, bubble up this session. I think primarily about uh, transparency and notification issues that a district would have a better idea of when a charter is going to move in and how many kids are possibly going to be, you know, transitioning from a district to a charter school. Because I think it's really hard for districts to plan uh, with such short notice after they've already built their budget and drawn their boundary lines when a charter pops up. Oh, yeah, and I can give you a, a firsthand experience with that. We would, we as a superintendent, I would get a letter from a, you know, charter XYZ, and they would say, we're putting a charter in your area. And then they would list about 20 counties. Right. And they, it didn't say anything about where the school was going to be, when it was going to open, what groups were they targeting and so we're sitting here saying okay I guess you know down at the mall they're going to open a new charter school and they'll start recruiting our kids and yeah I, I think anything we can do to make the charters be much more specific about where they're going to be who they're targeting when they plan to open is just a, a no-brainer because they, they're getting public funds too you know they're taking right. money away and kids away from from other public schools yet they're able to do it kind of behind a shield of secrecy really but that's about it i mean there there will be other bills that are filed obviously um but that's that's kind of where everybody's mind is in in the capitol right now and it's early okay. you know it's yeah, mid february it Mar uh, may 27th is the last day of the regular session and then i fully expect to go into at least one special session uh, just because of the the enormous topics that we're trying to tackle 
it's moving and those conversations are happening. And I would strongly encourage people to be a resource for their legislators, especially, and I, we really didn't talk about this, especially in the rural areas. Um, so much of the language that's bubbling up as far as the School Finance Commission is concerned is geared toward our urban districts. Right. And like I said, what works in a big district might not work in our rural rural areas. And so people need to be leaning on their legislators to say that it's a big state. Um, I think that there are some teacher pipeline issues in the small districts that we need to address in a really serious way. They're having a hard time getting high-quality teachers into those areas. Um, so it's people just need to remember that it's a complex system and it's a really big state and to leave as much flexibility for our districts as possible to do what's right for their particular kids. Absolutely. Well, hey, where can people find you and get more information about Raise Your Hand Texas? <laughs> we are a block south of the Capitol um, with a big giant pane of glass that says Raise Your Hand Texas. I saw so they that. Can find me there, yes. Uh, my email address is a good place to start as well. It's msmith at ryht.org. Um, RaiseYourHandTexas.org is a great place to go to find all the information about our group. And then if people want to get our alerts uh, during the session, they can actually text in all capital letters, raise my hand to 40649. And um, we can send them alerts at key moments during the legislative session. And I know you're pretty active on Twitter, especially. <laughs> I am, yes. Not in an official capacity, but if you go to at M-I-S-H-S-H-E-L, um, I'm usually stirring up some trouble there on Twitter as well, but uh, on my own behalf. Right. Okay. Well, great, uh, Michelle. We appreciate you being with us today and uh, look forward to seeing your work in Austin. And, and we're looking, we're, we're remaining positive that this will end up being a, a great session for public ed. And uh, I know that That's you right. will have a lot to do with that. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been great. Absolutely. And I'll check back in with you in a month or so and we'll see how things are going. Sounds good. This is Game Day Media.